0: Thank you, Janice. Well, Monday afternoon, we had an opportunity to celebrate a life well-lived. Uh, if you knew uh, Mary Ann Fields, uh, she has gone, ho- gone home to Jesus. Uh, she's gone to our Heavenly Father's house where there are many rooms. Uh, she's now in paradise with Jesus, for Jesus says in Luke 23, verse 43, uh, He says to the criminal hanging next to Him, "'Truly today, today I tell you, you will be with me in paradise.'" And if you knew Marianne Fields, uh, she was a longtime member of this church, over 60 years. Uh, she died at the age of 95, almost 96 years, lived a very full life, and was really one who exhibited the fruits of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Marianne was, was not very tall in stature, but boy, her light of Christ, her love of Christ shone brightly. In fact, I understand for decades she helped lead our children in singing praises to God. She would go to the Sunday school rooms and help lead singing uh, praises to God like Jesus loves me. And we finished the service singing Jesus loves me. Well, Right before the service, I had an opportunity to connect with a couple of our members, and we were talking about the sermon series we've been doing on how to walk by the Spirit. If you've been with us the last several weeks, you know we've been looking about what it means to walk by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and uh, two of these members were kind enough to thank me for last week's sermon on the spiritual gifts, and if you didn't get to see that sermon, of course, you can go online to our webpage and see about what it means uh, to have uh, fruits of the Spirit, sorry, fruits of the Spirit, spiritual gifts of today, but fruits of the Spirit, and uh, anyway, as we were talking about that, one of the members made the comment, he said, you know, in all my years of going to church, I've never heard an entire sermon series on the Holy Spirit. That struck me. I thought about that. In all my years of preaching the gospel, I have never preached an entire sermon series on the Holy Spirit, in fact, all my years of going to church, I've never heard a, an entire sermon series on the Holy Spirit, which is a little odd because we say in the Apostles' Creed pretty much every week that we believe in the Holy Spirit. We know that the Holy Spirit is a part of the Trinity God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Holy Spirit, and yet we often neglect, we don't tend to focus on all that the Spirit has done for us and who He is and, and how we're called to walk according to the Spirit. I think that's why. Francis Chan has written this wonderful book called Forgotten God. If you have never read this book, we have it in our library or you can certainly purchase it as well. Uh, He says, Forgotten God, reversing our tragic neglect of the Holy Spirit. He recognizes that most churches don't spend a lot of time talking about the Holy Spirit. And he gives this reason. He believes that one of the reasons the church doesn't want to spend a lot of time talking about the Holy Spirit and thinking about the Holy Spirit is because, well, if you really listen to what the Spirit has to say, The Holy Spirit is going to call us to do things we don't really want to do. Here's what he says. When it comes down to it, many of us do not really want to be led by the Holy Spirit. Or, more fundamentally, many of us don't want to be led by anyone other than ourselves. He goes on to write, the truth is, the Spirit of the living God is guaranteed to ask you to go somewhere or do something you wouldn't normally want or choose to do. The Spirit will lead you to the way of the cross as He led Jesus to the cross, and that is definitely not a safe or pretty or comfortable place to be. Ever had the Holy Spirit tell you to do something you didn't want to do? Like maybe the Holy Spirit's called you to forgive someone that you really didn't want to forgive. Somebody who's really wounded you and hurt you in some way. You know, Jesus says not to forgive seven times, which is a lot, but seven times 70, 490 times. I I don't think that's supposed to literally count that many times, but can you imagine forgiving someone 490 times? Jesus says that we are called to to turn the other cheek when someone insults us, that we're called to pray for those who persecute us or hurt us, and yet that's very counterintuitive. That's not the kind of thing we want to do, but that's what Jesus calls us to do. In fact, you've been with us this uh, last few weeks, you know, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit, and and Jesus describes the Holy Spirit in John 14 as the parakletos, the parakletos, uh, which uh, can be translated as the advocate or as the helper or the counselor. In fact, it, it comes from the same Greek root word for parakleo, which means to encourage so the Holy Spirit is literally that, that person who, who comes alongside us to encourage us, to remind us of all that Jesus has said to do and, and called us to do. And I like the way Eugene Peterson translates parakletos in the message, which is his paraphrase English translation, contemporary English translation. The Holy Spirit is our friend, that constant friend who's always speaking to us if we'll just listen. But the fact is that sometimes we don't want to listen to what the Spirit says because we don't want to do what... Jesus calls us to do. It's not our natural desire sometimes. Has the Holy Spirit ever asked you to do something you, you didn't want to do? I remember uh, when I was in my 20s, I felt the Holy Spirit was beginning to, to prompt me to, to become a minister of Word and Sacrament. But my degree is in finance and economics, and I was working for Pricewaterhouse, and I was things were going well. This is the late '90s. I was getting promoted, getting raises, and I, I'd already taken the LSAT. My plan was to go to law school, you know, be a corporate attorney of some kind. I thought, man, I, I don't want to become a minister, but I knew that the Holy Spirit had gifted me with certain spiritual gifts, like knowledge and faith, and and uh, teaching and preaching, and well, I knew from the parable of the talents in Matthew 25 that God doesn't want us to bury our talents in the ground. In fact, one of the ways that we can discern whether or not it's the Holy Spirit who's calling us to do something is if the Holy Spirit is calling us to do something, we will, we will have the spiritual gifts, the natural abilities to do what He's calling us to do. The Holy Spirit will call us and then He will equip us to do what He's calling us to do. Reminds me, a couple of summers ago, my wife and I were talking about maybe remodeling uh, my daughter's bathroom because she had this shower that was really small. In fact, if you dropped the soap, you couldn't actually bend over to get the soap. It was that tight. You had to like squat down to get the soap. It was really, and it was nasty, and it was old, and the tiles didn't match, and it was like, man, we need to, we need to gut this bathroom. And so, you know, me trying to save a dollar or a dime or whatever, I'm thinking myself, you know, well, maybe I could tear this out and do this and that, and my wife kind of shook her head. She said, No you don't have the gift of craftsmanship. <laughs> Maybe we should hire Casey Wood. I think he has the gift of craftsmanship, and, and he does. Casey certainly does. In fact, uh, Casey Wood is the one who helped expand our chancel steps. You may remember a few summers ago, we expanded the chancel steps in order to make room for this wonderful new organ console that we have, which is the largest organ from Fort Worth to LA, which is great that we have that, thanks to Norman Goad. But uh, you know, we did, he did the work with his own hands. Uh, he actually got the slate tile and the wood, and when he was finished, he did it in the summer. He did it in about two weeks. And uh, some people who'd been out of town, they came back after a month away, and they said, hey, when are we going to expand those chancel steps? I said, we already did. They couldn't tell. I mean, he's matched the slate so beautifully and the wood stains and everything so wonderfully that you can't tell that it did the expansion. I mean, he's got the gift of craftsmanship. I don't have that gift. I got other gifts. Do you know what your spiritual gifts are? Do you know how God is calling you to use those gifts today? To find out what your spiritual gifts might be, I would encourage you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. But before I read God's Word, let's call upon His Holy Spirit again to guide us in the reading and preaching of His Holy Word. Please join me as we pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you that you inspired Paul to put pen to paper to write this letter of instruction to the church in Corinth, a letter that still instructs us today to know how You have gifted each one of us in different ways, to do the work of Your kingdom together. So God, I pray that as we read these words that You might speak to us, that we might hear from You, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts might be acceptable in Your holy sight. Through Your Son's precious name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. Listen to God's word. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit, now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all every everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. Here ends the reading of God's word, as the prophet Isaiah tells us: the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, this is actually the first. This is the fourth time uh, Paul has written in his letter in the original Greek. The words peri day, peri day, is translated as now concerning. And the first time we see this is actually in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 7, verse 1, when Paul writes, Now concerning the matters about which you wrote. Uh, 1 Corinthians is a letter that's written in response to questions that the church in Corinth had of the Apostle Paul. He's writing them back concerning the questions that they had, the questions they wrote him about. And if you read all of 1 Corinthians, you're going to see that there was a lot of conflict in the church in Corinth. You know, some people were following Paul, and some were following Cephas, and some were following Apollos. And there was a lot of conflict and a lot of issues they're dealing with. And so Paul tries to address these issues. One of the issues that the church in Corinth is dealing with is unruly worship specifically, in First Corinthians 11, we read that when they would go to the Lord's Supper, some people were not even being fed. Some people were consuming all the food and not everybody was getting served. And some people were even getting drunk at the table. That's why we serve grape juice. That cannot happen here. Okay, with those little cups, wouldn't be possible. But, you know, this was a real issue. And so, he's like, man, this is not good. And and then also, as we continue to read First Corinthians, we can see that, well, there were people who were speaking out of turn, that there were people with different gifts. And some people had the gift of tongues. And with the gift of tongues, they would speak out of turn, and, and if you, he begins to talk about this in First Corinthians 12 all the way through 14. He kind of builds this discussion about orderly worship, that our God is a God of order and not disorder. Now, if you've never uh, seen someone speak in tongues before, uh, you might try going to a Pentecostal uh, worship service one time. I went to one in Cuba and, uh, went on a mission trip, and we went to this service. And, you know, most of it was in Spanish, and I actually have a minor in Spanish. So I was able to understand most of what they were saying. But then they had this time of prayer. In the middle of the time of prayer, people got up and they started speaking in tongues, and initially, I thought they were speaking in Spanish like really fast, you know? And I was like, oh man, just slow down. Mas despacio, por favor, slow down. I, I couldn't understand what they were saying. And so I turned to my interpreter because I was feeling a little ashamed. I was like, man, my Spanish must be rusty. Like, I need some help. So I turned to my interpreter and I said, hey, could you tell me what they're saying? And he shook his head. I said, why can't you tell me? He says, I don't have the gift of interpretation. I said, wait, you're an interpreter. <laughs> and he said, no, no, they're speaking in tongues. I don't know what they're saying. And Paul makes an important point in Second Corinthians Uh, Chapter 14, beginning with verse 2, he says this, For the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and the encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. That last phrase, so that the church may be built up. Paul makes the point time and time again that God has given us, specifically the Holy Spirit, has given us different spiritual gifts so that the church might be built up. In fact, he says this in verse 7 of the text I read in 1 Corinthians 12, 7. He says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The Holy Spirit has given us different gifts for the common good so that we might use our gifts to help build up the body of Christ. And we don't decide what our spiritual gifts are going to be. It's up to the Holy Spirit. He gives according to His will. We read this in verse 11 of the text I read. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills, as He wills. Do you know what your spiritual gifts are? Have you ever wished you had different spiritual gifts? I know when my wife was talking about remodeling this bathroom, I said, man, I wish I had the gift of craftsmanship, you know, but I got the gift of knowledge and teaching. You know? Do you know what your spiritual gifts are? Because I believe there's a, a critical point in understanding spiritual gifts. There, there's three C's when it comes to spiritual gifts. We've got we to clarify, we got to connect, and we got to contribute. Clarify, connect and contribute. Can you say that with me? Clarify, connect, and contribute. First of all, we've got to clarify what our spiritual gifts are. In fact, you may notice that inside of your bulletin, there's a little insert with the little survey. Could you take that out and wave it so that I can see you got it? There's a little survey. Great. And in that survey, there's a series of questions. I would encourage you to answer those questions. And as you answer those questions, um, then you're going to find out what your spiritual gifts is because we've got an answer key in the back. In the narthex on the table, there's a sheet of paper that lists a series of spiritual gifts. And the first one, I'm going to give the answer to the first one. It's the gift of administration. That if you answer that answer key and put yes, you know, all the time or, or oh, you know, regularly, you know, if that's a, a something, you have the gift of administration, someone who likes to organize events, you've got that gift. And we want you to clarify what your gift is. Now, this survey is not exhaustive. It's it's as many gifts as we could fit into one insert for your bulletin. Uh, If you go to Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4, you're going to see more spiritual gifts listed. In fact, you can go to LifeWay's uh, webpage, which is a Baptist ministry. They've They've got a spiritual gift survey you could take there. But whatever your gift is, we want you to know what that is. And the way that you clarify that gift is you might get the results from these surveys, and then you've got to put it into practice. You've got to try it out. I remember the first time I took a spiritual gift survey. I was 22 years old. I had just joined Highland Park Presbyterian Church, and knowledge came up as my number one gift, and then it was faith and then teaching and preaching. Well, I thought, okay, I've got these gifts, and they asked us as a part of the new members class to check a a ministry that we might be interested in, and so I checked the ministry college because I had just come out of college. Well, the college minister called me, and she said, you know, I've been praying for a male lay leader to rise up that might be able to help teach a Bible study. And I see you have the gift of knowledge and faith and teaching and preaching. Would you be interested in teaching a Bible study to a bunch of SMU students? And uh, I knew SMU students needed the Bible. I just asked Murray. He went to SMU, right? So I knew they needed the Bible. I said, sure, I'll teach this study. And, And as I began to exercise my gifts and use the gifts of knowledge and faith and teaching and preaching and studying God's Word and then teaching God's Word, I really found that I enjoyed it. And God blessed the Bible study and actually grew. And more students were coming each week, and it was just amazing. And I thought, man, this is truly amazing. Once you clarify your gift by uh, maybe a survey and then putting it into practice, it's so important that we connect to the body of Christ. For our spiritual gifts are not simply for us to consume, for ourselves, to keep to ourselves. They're intended to be shared to help build up the rest of the body. And so as you take this survey and fill it out, Get an answer key in the back. There's a one sheet of paper that's got a listing of all the different spiritual gifts. And then uh, you can call Murray Gossett. In fact, I think we've got his number number here. 806-350-5203 or his email murrayg at firstpress.com. Murray's mission statement in life is to uh, enfold people into the body of Christ to help them use their gifts in ministry. I mean, that is his passion. And so I want this week, I'm praying that everyone will call Murray or email Murray and fill up his inbox or fill up his voicemail and say, Murray, I've got the spiritual gift of mercy. How can I use it? And I'll say, oh, we've got these mercy ministries here locally that we use. Or, Murray, I've got the gift of hospitality. How can I use it? Oh, we need some people on our greeting team. Or, or we've got a Bible study that wants to be hosted in a home. You know, maybe you could help, help host it and use the gift of hospitality. Or, you know, Maria, I've got the gift of apostleship, which is the second answer on that thing. Well, hey, you come join our world missions team. You know, we're sending mission teams out all the time. Love for you to be a part of that. All of us have been given different gifts. And, and the purpose for this is so that we might use them to build up the body. Now, i got to be honest with you. Sometimes I've wondered, why didn't God just give us all the same gifts I mean, wouldn't that be great? Like, then I would have the gift of craftsmanship, and I would need to remodel this bathroom, and I could do it myself, and I wouldn't have to hire it out, right? I I mean, if we all had the same gifts, wouldn't that be great? We'd be self-sufficient, right? Self-reliant. But I don't think God wants us to be self-sufficient or self-reliant. God wants us to rely on Him and each other so that we might grow together. It's true we have differences, but our differences shouldn't divide us. Rather, they should unite us as we discern together that we need each other to help do the work of God's kingdom together. You know, one of my favorite movies, it's from the 70s, it's uh, Rocky, uh, the original one. It got kind of crazy, like four, five, and six. I was like, man, stop doing it. Rocky 1 was great. You won Best Picture, stop while you're ahead. But Rocky 1's a great movie, and uh, he's got this girlfriend named Adrian who's a real introvert, and Adrian's brother, Polly, one time asks Rocky, hey, man, what do you see in my sister? You know, and 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 Rocky says, well, we got gaps. I got gaps. She got gaps. We fill gaps. We have gaps. I have gaps. You have gaps. Together, we fill gaps. God has given us different gifts so that we might see that we need each other in order to do what God is calling us to do. And, And when we're not connected to the body of Christ, We'll never be able to fully function and grow as God wants us to function and grow. One of my other favorite movies, also from the 70s, a pretty good decade for movies, uh, it was the original Star Wars, New Hope, Episode Four. Now, I remember this movie distinctly because before that, all I had ever seen in the movie theater were animations, like Disney movies. And my dad, in 1977, I think it was, took me to uh, go see Star Wars. I was so excited to see the original Star Wars and the, the special effects were amazing, it was awesome. And one of my favorite scenes is actually when Obi-Wan Kenobi and Luke Skywalker go into a cantina uh, in order to find a transport to transport them to help rescue Princess Leia. And eventually they meet Han Solo. But before they meet Han Solo, they pull up to the bar to get a drink, right? Luke Skywalker, you know, kind of young looking guy, Mark Hamill, looks over to his left and there's this weird looking guy, I'm a snaggletooth guy I Look right next to him, left, and he kind of stares at him, like, longer than he should, and the guy's like, what are you looking at, you know, and, and Luke's like, sorry, you know, and he tries to apologize, and the guy's trying to pick a fight with Luke Skywalker, and then Obi-Wan Kenobi is the great peacemaker, played by Alec Guinness, who must have been like 80 at the time, steps in and says, oh, my friend, you know, we have no problem here, let us buy you a drink, and, and the guy is still angry, and so he pulls out his blaster to shoot Obi-Wan Kenobi, But Alec Guinness, at the age of 80, with like cat-like reflexes, pulls out his lightsaber, and he cuts the guy's arm off, boom, clean. And they have this shot where they show you the amputated arm, and I'll never forget it. It was like this arm with like ketchup running out. I was like, oh, I couldn't believe it. You know, when we're disconnected to the body of Christ, we're like that arm, unable to fully function, really lifeless. That if we're going to live into the new life that Jesus has come to bring, the the abundant life that He came to bring, we've got to connect to the body of Christ. We've got to clarify what our gifts are. We've got to connect to the body of Christ that we might use those gifts together, and ultimately, we must contribute. Now, on Wednesday nights, uh, we've begun a new series. Uh, uh, Dan Carter, David Mull, and I are teaching a Wednesday night uh, series on uh, the different parables of Jesus uh, because, you know, if you read the parables of Jesus in the 21st century, sometimes they can be hard to understand because he uses illustrations that are not common to us today. And so we're t- interpreting them through their historical and cultural context. And the uh, first parable we looked at uh, was the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, which happens to be my, my favorite parable because as a finance major, I love the story or the idea that a guy with two talents and another guy with five talents were able to take what they were given and they were able to double it. You know, what, what was the investment that allowed them to double their investment? I, l- I love that story. Well, in the story, not only are those two guys able to double what they do, but there's a, ta- there's a servant who's given just one talent. Now, for us, it could seem unfair that one was given five, another two, and one was given one, until we learn and realize that one talent in the first century was worth 6,000 denarii, and one denarius was worth a full day's wage to the common laborer. So this servant or this slave was given 6,000 denarii, over 19 years worth of wages. And what does this servant do with what the master gave him? Nothing. He buries it in the ground. Now, in our current context, we can think, oh, yeah, burying the ground, who would do that, right? Well, that wasn't too uncommon in the first century that if you had a big treasure, you might bury it because there weren't banks that were FDIC'd back then, right? They didn't weren't insured. And so, kind of like in the Great Depression, people would bury money in their mattresses, right? So, so for him to do that wasn't too uncommon. But when the master returns, and all three have to give an account, it's very clear that the master is irate with the servant who buried his talent in the ground. He said, what have you done, you wicked, slothful servant? And ultimately, he has this servant cast into the outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That parable teaches us that ultimately we're called to do something with what God has given to us. And I don't want us to scare us into obedience. I think grace is a better motivator for all of us in our lives today And so I'm reminded of what the master says to the two servants who who were able to double what the master had given them, both the servant with the two and the five talents who double their resources. He gives them the same blessing word for word. We read it in Matthew 25, 23. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter, enter into the love, into the joy of your master. Enter into the joy of your master of your master. The greatest joy in this life is found in using the gifts that God has given to us, connecting them to the body of Christ in such a way that we use them to help build up the body, to help, help others grow in their faith in Christ, to help do the work of God's kingdom so that God might be ultimately glorified. And Of course, as followers of Christ, we know that we give, we contribute, because God first gave to us. As Paul writes in his second letter to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, he says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, had everything in heaven, yet for your sake He became poor, so that by His poverty you might become rich. Jesus, who had everything in heaven, humbled Himself, was born as a baby in a lowly manger. He grew up among us, He taught us, and then ultimately He showed the ultimate act of humility. When He died as the perfect sacrifice on a cross for our sins, He has become poor so that we might be rich in Him. Out of gratitude for what Christ has done for us, may we seek to clarify the spiritual gifts that God has given to us May we connect to the body of Christ that we might serve together as one body in His name, knowing that the head cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. We all need each other. And may we not only clarify, connect, but seek to contribute using those gifts out of gratitude for what God has already given to us. Please join me as we pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for your generosity towards us. Lord, while you were Rich, you became poor so that we might be rich in you, that we might be saved. God, we thank you for your great sacrifice. Help us to be good stewards of all that you've given to us, of the time and the talents and the treasures, that we might use these to help do the work of your kingdom, that we might give of the talents, the spiritual gifts you've given to us to help do the work of your kingdom so that in our diversity, yet we are united, you might be glorified. So God, I thank you, Lord, for your love. Help each one of us to clarify, connect, and contribute the glory of your name. We pray this in the strong and precious name of your Son who is the Christ and all God's people said, Amen.